You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL Podcast. My name's Oz Davis. I'm the co-host of the show. Joining me as always is my co-host, back in the States, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how are you doing this week? I love the CFL. I just love it. <laughs> Even when my team doesn't have its most banner outing, it's, it was a fantastic weekend of games. Yeah, yeah, really. And you know what was best about it? This is my big takeaway from the week. No lead is safe as back. Yeah, but it the, kind of went away for a while, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, like uh, 2021. <laughs> most of 2022 i mean yeah it was it was not in play but now edmonton's won two games in a row after throwing away uh after being down double digits after throwing away leads like that all year they've managed to come back twice in a row um bc came back from 16 points down with four and a half minutes to go and 10 points down with a minute and a half to go Classic CFL comeback, and Montreal even almost pulled off a comeback in the last, jeez, uh, 15 seconds. We all, <laughs> the Al's almost tied up that game. So, um, yeah, I have you... no idea how it would feel to have Toronto block a field goal that could prevent <sighs> the game for you. No idea whatsoever. Well, this was the thing. All right, I'm just going to get right into this because this was one game that I watched in full. You know, I'm getting up at some crazy hour to, to watch this game. And um, after six games that Montreal played this year, six? Yeah, I think it was six. Yeah, after six games Montreal played this year against the top three teams in the league, finally, you know, I thought we were going to get a close one here because all season long, uh, Fajardo has been improving. You know, it seems to me like at the beginning of the season, I was not ready for this guy. Uh, yeah, we won the first three games against, you know, the not ready for primetime players at that point in Ottawa and Hamilton and teams like that. Okay, fair enough. But in this game in particular, I mean, he was better than Chad Kelly for most of it. And, and so everything was really firing on all cylinders for us. You know, special teams was decent. Defense was great, as we have been lately. Um, this offense has been great, but geez. I mean, again, the whole game is being killed by our line. And to some extent, the offensive coordinator, the game planning for the offense. Because like, okay. For a Montreal fan, this game was excruciating, okay? I've got it right here. There is, and you can see some of these plays in the highlight tape, but okay. So they had the drive in the second quarter that for me was like emblematic of the entire game. Okay. So, you know, we start on first and 10 from the 16. All right. Great. You know, Fajardo completes a pass to Julian Grant. Okay. But uh, problem is, of course, that Toronto gets him behind the line. Because, I mean, they're starting the drive. First and 10 on the 16, but Fajardo has to go shotgun because this line can't keep out, you know, a Pee Wee League team. 
Okay, so so here he is. He's backpedaling, throwing to Julian Grant, getting about 15 yards of air, and still Grant is good for zero yards because this line can't hold anybody. Okay, so then you know again next play line crumbles, but Fajardo still gets the pass off. Okay, first down. This is followed by penalty Montreal offside. Penalty Montreal offensive line holding. Okay, so now now we're back. Okay. Next play, Austin Austin Mack gets one of these short passes out of the shotgun, bumps into his own player, dribbles the ball. It's a fumble. And then we think that Toronto touches it last to go out of bounds, but no, we luck out on that one. We win the replay. The next play. Again, the play falls apart. The pocket is about the size of, I don't know, uh, something very small. Fajardo has to run again, gets nailed after three yards, fumbles it. You know, luckily we recover. And at this point, we're happy to punt. You know, just because Alouette's fans can't stand, you know, this sort of this sort of just, I mean, play after play, the line is crumbling. There's just, I mean, one of the reasons why Fajardo has been, you know, statistically questionable this season is because he never has time. This guy never has time to get off a pass. And you've been telling me this all year that Jason Moss is just like, he's blind to the offensive line. He has no idea it's even there. It's hard to believe until you get a game like this one. I mean, even on the last play, okay, to Montreal has the lead for much of the game. Toronto makes the comeback. Okay, they score in the fourth quarter. Alouettes get the ball back. Actually, I should talk about this because a lot of people that watch this game are going to put the game on the fourth quarter interception, which not sure why they called for this play. Didn't really need to. There was a minute some left. Um, Throws the bad pickoff. Of course, he's being hit by two guys. You know, now maybe he should have eaten it, but still, I mean, the fact is he should have had time to make that throw, but he doesn't gets picked off, gets a nice run back. Toronto scores the touchdown. Okay. Montreal gets the ball back with 15 seconds, 15 seconds. Fajardo completes a 33 yarder, completes a seven yarder. We're in field goal range. And who lets us down the special teams line, you know, the Argos come through. Blocked the punt. They had uh, blocked the kick. They had no business doing that at all. It's just the line crumbles. You know, it's just unbelievable. And this is why Montreal's now six and seven. You know, uh, by eleven and one, and it's very clear that they're the team this year that if you make a mistake, they will kill you. Yeah, they had they Montreal outplayed them most of the game, but Toronto yeah. made big plays when it mattered. Well, I mean, even so, I mean, look, we, the Owls executed as well. We did. Like, everybody was firing. Antwi had a couple of good carries. Like, everything is going right. It was just the one bad play. And again, even then, we had the fortitude. We showed the intestinal fortitude to make that comeback. But what are you going to do? When you, when you have to depend on your line, it's just not there for the Alouettes. And I mean, I honestly can't believe that this is going to be the, di- well, I can't believe it now, but it's, it's hard to stomach the fact that this is what's keeping us out from really contending and really like having a prayer of an upset. 
in what is now the Eastern Conference Final against Toronto. You know, I right. mean, but, but we can't it, even count on that. Play though, you know, you can hang with them now, and all it takes yeah. is for the bad bounce if you could play like that again. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, I mean, look again. Fajardo was incredible in this game, not just because his stats were pretty good thirty of thirty nine for I think two seventy four yards, pretty decent, one yard fewer than Chad Kelly in the end. But I mean. He had an excellent game because he's learning how to get rid of the ball in his second and a half because that's what it takes now. You know, he's taken all this time to adapt to another crappy, you know, line playing behind. And um, this year, he's actually gotten better as the team record has declined. You know, I can't put any of this on him. I can't, I can't put anything on Fajardo as much as I like, you know, recoiled against this at the beginning of the season because. He has adapted, but I mean, it's just not enough. It's just not, the line is so important. It's, I, uh, it just makes me nuts. Just makes me crazy, this team. Uh, so now all of a sudden, and and I wanted to say this too. Uh, it's on us, man. We fell asleep last week. Um, the one playoff scenario we could have talked about was precisely this. Toronto beats Montreal, clinches all the way to the home field in the Eastern half now with one third of their season remaining. That would put them in an interesting scenario it because sure now will. six games that mean absolutely nothing in the standings, right? You're not bench starters for two months. So it's going to be, now you're talking about managing risk. Yep. And yet keeping your team fresh, knowing you have that, knowing you don't have a buy the rest of the year knowing that you do have one buy for the eastern semifinal weekend it's going to be interesting to see how they juggle this because you could keep playing your starters the whole time i mean football is a risky game but i'm sure they'll bench them from time to time i can't see them benching them for six weeks it also being a Winnipeg fan, I've got my eye on this one. Two weeks from now, they're playing Winnipeg. Right. Do they bench their starters then and give Winnipeg absolutely nothing on tape? Or do they go and say, let's make a statement against Winnipeg? That'll be a very interesting decision to make. <laughs> well, I mean, but here's the here's the thing with Toronto. They're in an enviable position here because they've already started their strategy. Okay, so in this game, Andrew Harris had uh, three touches, including just one carry from the ground, and he left the game injured. Now, don't know if this is a serious injury or not, but guess what? They're not going to play him anyway. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how serious this is. They're going to now save him for the playoffs. They're going to save him for that Eastern Conference final game, damn it. And, and, you know, we're not going to see him until then. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's got a bruise on his knee. He's, he's just not playing. Um, Olet in this game only had 10 carries. Okay. Um, they're going to break out uh, McMahon. This is what's going to happen. McMahon is going to become their number one back, Deontay McMahon. I mean, he only had a couple of carries, a couple of catches in this game. But. I mean, obviously, they're going to just work him into shape. That's what they get to do. They had this guy, uh, Tommy Neal. Tommy Neal, who, who's had barely any catches all season, was in this game. Nine targets, seven catches. 
know, guess what? He's going to be the go-to guy for the rest of the season. Why? So they can get him ready for the play. I mean, what a position to be in. They actually now have five, six games to develop a bunch of guys who they want either as third down players or second stringers. I mean, this right. is incredible. I mean, what what a team. I mean, they're not just great on the first team. They're going to be a stacked team by the time the Eastern finals come around. The only thing that can beat them now is complacency. And I don't think that's going to happen. No, I think they're too well coached for that. Yep. And they've got a good leadership base. They're going to be all right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and this is the team that won the Grey Cup last year. So, wow. Thank you wow. remind. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, come on. You had two. <laughs> you were you were in that one last year. Um let's 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 skip the awesome Edmonton Elks for just a minute. Let's go on to Winnipeg. Um, you know, all season we've been talking about Winnipeg. Um they haven't been blowing teams out. Um, they tend to take care of business when they need to. I mean, yeah, there was a nice blowout against Saskatchewan last week, which we love to see, which we love to see as Winnipeg fans. Um, but they just haven't had the dominant look that they had in 2022, in 2021, and in the playoffs in 2019. Um, is this the for this mini dynasty dynasty maybe or it's the law of averages working itself out too because they've had a couple of losses that they probably shouldn't have had the ottawa game for right for sure right very close on labor day which is really i mean saskatchewan played near perfect game made one crucial mistake that kept the, that put the game in overtime but made no others really right um sometimes you just run into a team that's that is playing better than you on that given day like hamilton the last two years now and they got they had one game where they just had it handed to them and that was bc and then they adjusted and fixed that last year they had a lot of close wins so you change one or two of those, and the record says something a lot different. I don't think it's that much of a difference on this team. Yes, there is some differences going on. It's always going to be that way. They've changed a little bit of where their offense comes from. Brady's carrying the load a little bit more than he did last year. I mean, he's already over 1,000, and he barely cracked 1,000 rushing last year. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, so it's just a it's a little bit of a change in where the offense is coming from. A little bit of I feel like there's a little bit more desperation in this team. I just see I feel like for the last two months, Zach Claros has been making some has been trying to extend plays that shouldn't be extended. And we saw that in the Montreal game. They won that one big. They win it even bigger if there's not a, a feeling of desperation early on and in interceptions that go back for touchdowns. Uh, the play you got hurt on in Edmonton, same thing, trying to make something out of nothing. It worked last week in the Banjo Bowl where he made that nice shovel to Brady sit, sitting right out, right, in, right past the offensive line, and he took it in for 20 yards. But that's not a high percentage play to make. 
and it just feels like they're tr they it just feels like when the bombers are in when the bombers aren't ahead comfortably there's just this feeling like we can we need to make a play now instead of just playing their offense because their offense is dynamic when they just do what they're when they just do what they do when they start getting outside of that is when they start falling apart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, that was kind of my feeling too. Um, they fell, plus they fell prey to the deadly trap game. Like we said, that huh. they weren't going to do. They, they don't uh, do well in field for some reason. Nobody <laughs> did for a while, but now it's just Winnipeg that just can't go in there and win for some reason. Yeah. Except for what really matters, but yeah, believe well, there. I mean, okay, here's Hamilton. They get the they get the 29-23 win here. Hamilton has just the bizarre season unfolding right now. Uh they started 0-3. Since then, they've gone six and four. They're at six and seven right now, tied with Montreal statistically. Um, but we have got we've got one game on them. No, we've got two games on them. So so it looks like unless Montreal completely falls apart, and I don't think they will, that Hamilton is destined to make that three spot. But take a look at their wins. They've got three wins against Ottawa and then three wins against the West, right? That's at Edmonton, at BC, and now at home against Winnipeg. Now, the rest of their schedule looks like this. They've got at Toronto versus Calgary, winnable game at this point, at Saskatchewan, probably a winnable game at this point. Versus BC, who knows, with you know two weeks left to go, BC might be playing for nothing as well, although not very likely. A bye, and then they finish the year at Montreal. How strong can the Ticats finish at this point? Because these guys, wow, I mean, I left them for dead after about week five. But wow, I mean, they're in this thing, aren't they? They could be in the Grey Cup as the home team. Yeah, Taylor Powell yeah. has shown that. And it's the same thing with Jake Dolagala in Saskatchewan, too, although Dolagala's had fewer games and reps to show this. But both of these young quarterbacks may have cemented themselves as, their, as the team's quarterbacks of the future, and as it was pointed out to me yesterday, maybe even the present. Uh, yeah, Powell's a pure rookie. Delegales had one year of experience before this, although with limited reps. But neither of them look like they're really rattled by much, and they seem to be taking care of the ball, which is two thirds of the game right there. Not seeing a lot of dynamic plays coming from either of them, but if you're putting your team in a position to win, uh, those plays will come eventually. So, and, and yeah, it looks like Paulo is starting to adapt to the Canadian game. He's starting to be a quarterback you can't write off as a third stringer anymore. He's absolutely shown that he can be a starter in this league. And that's a, and the team that took the field for Hamilton in week one has no resemblance to what's, to what's there now. They've changed pretty much everything about how the team operates. Yeah. Uh, they were going. They were going to go with Bo. They were going to go with 
let's play let's play the offense that Bo's comfortable with. That's completely out the window now. I don't even know if you're Hamilton right now. If when Bo's healthy, he comes back into the lineup. Nah, you voted up for one big run at the Grey Cup since it's in your it's yeah. in your home stadium. But now you look like you have a foundation for the future. So why mess with it? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Powell, too, because I was thinking just the other day that at the beginning of the season, all the talk per quarterbacks was about Bo Levy, Mitchell, and Hamilton and Chad Kelly in Toronto. Now it seems to have switched to the new guys, including my own personal favorite, and I'm sure many others, Trey Ford over there in Edmonton, who just had an outstanding game with Edmonton beating Saskatchewan 36 to 27. I mean, geez, we need this guy in Montreal. There was that one play in the fourth quarter for the touchdown when he's a good 15, 20 yards behind the line. He's wrapped up. He gets out of it, starts running, and then throws for the wide open receiver in in the end zone. That's just one what you would normally call a circus play, you know, from this guy. But I mean, this guy is, I don't know. He's, he's the most CFL, CFL quarterback right now. He's just exciting. He runs, he throws, he gets out of jams constantly. You know, he's got this, this crazy wide receiving core with vets and, and young guys alike. And it's just like, and he's come in and taken over this team that, again, was left for dead at 0-9. He goes, wow. I mean, is this – the uh, with all the interesting things that are happening at quarterback, I thought Crom had a great game for Ottawa too, by the way. But, I mean, is Trey Ford the story this year? Has to be. Absolutely has to be. Um, just with the way he plays and with the fact that they're 4-1 four, they're four in the last five, it's yeah. <laughs> again a team that has no resemblance to what they were in week one. Different offensive coordinator, different quarterback, a lot of the same talent, and some of it's getting healthy. And now they're showing what they can do. They were in a lot of games, even in their first the first half of the season, and now they're finishing them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So Edmonton the rest of the way has hmm, versus. Versus BC after last week. I don't know who's stopping them. Um, at Toronto versus Montreal and at Winnipeg. So not easy, but wow. I mean, nobody's taking them as lightly as they did in the first half anymore. Just no. It, they, they, unfortunately, they have they got a lot of tiebreaker trouble. Mm. So oh, yeah. the play might not be a the playoffs might be a stretch goal at this point. Yeah but just showing that they have some signs of life. They win a couple more games going forward, two or three even, and they've got something to build on for next year. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say that. It's hard to say that when they had better expectations coming to this year. But remember, they were 4-14 four and 14 last year. They're now 4-10 and 10 and yeah. trending upward. So at least yeah. you have progress now. Yep. And you now, now you feel like you have, at least at this point, found your quarterback. We've seen quarterbacks come in and have a hot month at the beginning of their careers and disappear. I don't think that's going to be the case here uh, just because he's got so many different skills. Uh, But we did see, if you remember last year, uh, Edmonton was putting out a 
in uh, behind the scenes um, YouTube series. And they showed the interview with Trey Ford before the draft. And, it, and you could see Chris Jones trying to teach him how to be a professional because there was, I believe he was Ford was late for something the first time mm, around. Right. It's just, Explaining to them, hey, if you're going to be our guy, you have to do, you have to do things the right way. And I'm just, I'm paraphrasing here. It's been like 18 months since I've seen this, but I, I, I see a lot of people asking, why did he take so long? Why did it take so long? Why didn't you put him on the field? There's more to playing football than just than just um, than just physical ability. So. A lot of people question have been questioning Jones about that. I questioned Jones last week even about some of his in-game decision-making. Mm-hmm. But it, Jones is a veteran coach, veteran GM. I'd like to think he knows what he's doing in some respects. Otherwise, why would he have a job? Uh, and so maybe, he's, maybe he didn't feel comfortable putting Ford out there before he thought he was ready. Because why, like if you're zero and four, zero and five, when people start climbing for things like that, why would you put him out there if you didn't think he was ready? Why, why make a bad situation worse and destroy a kid's career before he's ready? Now clearly, well, at zero and really didn't have much of a choice, and it's worked out. But well, I can yeah, see, I can at least, I can at least in my mind have an answer as to why it took so long to put him out there well okay but the other thing is this too and and i don't think that this can be exaggerated we're not talking the kind of money we're talking about in the nfl but that five-year contract that they gave cornelius i mean that's basically tantamount to you know your top five draft pick in the nfl Right, you're gonna stick with that guy for as long as possible, despite what the visual evidence is telling you, just because you're stuck. I mean, you know, I, that had more to do with any of this, I think, than 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 respecting Trey Ford's uh, possibilities. I mean, I, I mean, you can't yeah, look at some John, point. You're in the- denial. Because it, yeah, just just giving giving Jones credit would be that Jones is playing the long game here. He's looking at next year and the year yeah. after instead of hey, you're on four. Let's let's start getting desperate here. Well, if right. you're on four, you might not have a you might not have a this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're on nine, you definitely don't have this uh, this season anymore. Yeah. So clearly, he was playing the long game for next year, the year after, anticipating he was going to still be in in place and if they keep winning <laughs> to round out this season he sure i sure can't see any reason why they would would, would make changes at that point but i mean i mean yeah uh, in the in and, the f- and if and if what and if what i'm thinking is correct credit for him for sticking to his guns and playing the long game while everybody around him is screaming that's hard to do yeah but on the other other hand it's kind of bizarre because this receiving core is loaded with veterans Right. And and they pick these guys up in the offseason. So it's like if 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 this is a rebuilding here, why are you doing this to these guys? And well, if they at the beginning of the season they weren't thinking rebuilding, but at 0 4, you gotta change your mindset. Right. <laughs> I don't want so. definitely... I guess so. I mean the difference is night and day. After the first eight games, 
and then the bye in week nine. Okay. This team had scored more than 14 twice. Okay. And both of the times they're just running up, you know, they're just running up points in garbage time since week 10. Okay. Here's what they've scored. 29, 24, 30, 31, 25, and 36. Okay. I mean, that says something. And I guess this is going to be the selling point to free agents next year. Is that like, look, we averaged, you know, 31, 32 points a game in the second half. Come on. This is a good offense. (laughs) So. So we'll see, but yeah, it's, it's all upside for Edmonton. Unfortunately, it's just a too little, too late. It's really too bad that they lost that game in week uh, 13 at Calgary because they only lost that game by four points. And then they came back and won the next week. So they actually are going to lose any tiebreaker with Calgary by two points, two points. That'd be a damn shame if they're, Somehow, if they lose out on that number three spot because of that. However, they have lost a couple. They lost two games to Saskatchewan really early in the season. So right. that didn't So that didn't they, they have to get to, they'd have to get above Saskatchewan or above yeah. the third place team in the East. So they're in tiebreaker trouble. So that's why we're that's why I'm sitting here going playoffs aren't likely. But, hey, you know, let's let's see what else they got this year. And ending the year on a good note would be would be advantageous to next year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was looking for, uh, I actually thought that uh, Saskatchewan might have a real serious breakdown in this game after the Edmonton loss. Uh, I'm sorry, after the Winnipeg loss, <laughs> after the blowout, but I guess it wasn't that bad, but as always, I think this team lacks aggression. And if somehow they do end up being the the number three team out of the West, well, I, I give them about five minutes in the playoffs before uh, they're done because the Riders are just not a top tier team this year. I like what they're doing they're, at they're quarterback. Not, now, they're also but... terrible. They're they're middle of the road. Yeah, they won at home on Labor Day because they played about as good of a game as you're going to be able to play. One mistake aside. Yeah. Um, made didn't make any critical mistakes that cost them the game on that one anyway um but when it when they came faced with when they came faced with adversity the next week there was just nothing there um their defense just isn't going to scare anybody and their offense is capable but it's not going to with Jake Dolagala being like a month into his starting career mm-hmm. it's also not going to blow you out blow you out so when when you mix those two things, you're not going to have a formula for a whole lot of success. Eight and eight, nine and eight, eight or not nine and nine, eight and 10, somewhere in there seems about right. And that's about where they're trying now. Yeah. Uh, they finished with at Ottawa at BC versus Hamilton at Calgary versus Toronto. So basically three playoff teams, one of which won't be playing for anything. So and they could still end up with a winning record in Saskatchewan, but we'll see. Uh, However, I don't believe that they're in that top tier of what has become an increasingly top heavy league. I mean, there's, there's one, there's one tier that has Toronto in it. There's a big gulf between (laughs) the second and third teams. 
Yeah, you really think so? Okay, so let's talk about BC, BC 41, Ottawa 37, which is how the week closed. And let me tell you, this was worth uh, getting up at 2 in the morning for local time. Um, fantastic game. I actually didn't stay up to watch it, but I recorded it beginning at 2, so I did get up for this game. Um, fantastic game. And I was thinking after this game that maybe Vernon Adams is the MOP this year. And here's why, right? Uh, I believe it was in the third quarter, Vernon threw back-to-back interceptions. And after that second interception, which was returned for the touchdown, um, there were boos. Okay, people were booing, right? Because this was bad Vernon Adams, who we haven't seen in a while. This was Vernon, I'm going to take all the chances because I don't think I have anybody on my team, Vernon of the Alouettes days. But sure enough, he picked it up. He he did not go to pieces like he would have done in Montreal. No more turnovers for the rest of the game. And again, he brought this team back from 16 points with four and a half left. Way to go, Vernon Adams. And wow, this, this BC offense just keeps clicking. It does. It it took a while though. They're they're a weird team to me, yeah. Because sometimes they are unbeatable. They might be when they are on the best team in the league. Mm. When they are off, well, we saw what happens when they're off. They've lost to Hamilton at home, and Hamilton's becoming more of a team that well that we thought they were at the beginning of the year. But what was it? Three, two, three weeks ago, we didn't have them in that category. Mm-hmm. And then they almost lost to Ottawa at home after a bye week. Right. Like, I mean, you're asking for, you're asking, and Ottawa's the worst team in the league right now. And there's no doubt about that in my mind. Simply because Ottawa just can't finish games. Yeah. Well, as evidenced by this one. But, I mean, for me, the real shocker was that, uh, I mean, going into this game, dude, Ottawa was scoring fewer than 23 points a game. And they put up 37 here. Now, I know that one of those was the pick six, but still, I mean, that's that's yeah, taking it, it, it that's taking it, it for granted. BC pass rush, they are vulnerable. Yep, 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 yep. And I thought that Crom uh, had a really great game, ran in three touchdowns. Um, he's really, Crom is really shown to be a leader too. Here's another one. Here's another one where, you know, no hype for this quarterback coming into the season. And, now he has a viable uh, career here. I think. In yeah, fact, I don't think I don't think you, I don't think you go away from him if you're Ottawa. Just uh, the wins haven't been there, but it hasn't been on him. Oh no! That, oh no! Not at all. That deal is dicey this year. Well, yeah, yeah. Again, I still again they're just undersized. This team is undersized, and Crum was able to take hits uh, at quarterback for long enough. I don't think next year he's going to want to do that. So uh, I'm hoping that they put some. I'll be really interested to see how Crum and Powell progress over the offseason. Right. Because I think they're your week one starters because I don't see anybody else. Nathan Rourke isn't coming back next year. I guess not. I guess not. Let's just talk about the window. Let's not even talk about that. (laughs) Who else is going to show up and be a starter? Bo might be done. Yeah. Trevor Harris might be available. For all we know, if Saskatchewan's 
comfortable with Dolagala, but you're only bringing in Trevor Harris if you think he can win next year. And Ottawa's not there. They're just not. But that's the thing, Joe. At the beginning of this season, we were looking at these teams and going, wow, four of these teams have a question mark at quarterback. Okay. Chad Kelly was still considered an X factor. And Fajardo, we were wondering about him. You know, can this guy actually be a viable starter after last year's disaster in Saskatchewan? Right. But next year, I mean, consider this literally next year, every team could know who their starter is. They could. In the and there's really going to be nobody out there for a team yeah. that wants to upgrade to upgrade to. Yep. Yep. Unless you unless you go to the college ranks. Yeah. There's there's probably not going to be uh, that much available. next. And, year. and if you heard and if you heard the show with Andrew Buckholz last the last month, we talked about how it usually takes a year for quarterbacks to develop in the CFL just from, from the American game to learn the CFL game. Mm-hmm. It's been shown that by Dustin Crum and Taylor Powell, both Matt guys, that that might not entirely be the case, mm-hmm. but it's the case the majority of the time. So you're not going to go find a college guy, plug him in and say, here, here's, here's your game. It's not the NFL draft. You're not taking a guy first overall. That's going to be your franchise. Yeah. Finding quarterbacks is a lot harder in the CFL than it is in the NFL when it comes to that sort of thing. So, well, we I mean, look at, look at Vernon Adams. Are, yeah, we might know who our starters are for all nine teams right now for next year. I mean, I mean, look at Vernon Adams, right? Vernon Adams is coming out of pass happy Oregon, right? And it took him forever to like really be a proper CFL quarterback. I think maybe last year, the year before that, I mean, that's probably when he finally clicked, you know, it's just like, but I mean, talk about your late bloomers, man. Vernon Adams is it. Vernon Adams, I mean, he's growing up in a quarterback factory and yet still it took him years, years to get the CFL game. So no, it's hardly automatic. Uh, I thought Nathan Rourke was going to be the next starter for the New York Jets. Is that not what you heard? No, no. There seems to be a disconnect between <laughs> Canadian fans that know what Rourke can do yeah, and their expectations for what the NFL thinks Nathan Rourke can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the NFL. He's going to have to go through. He's going to have to show them what he can do before he's going to be thought of as starter material. It's not yeah. going to happen. It's just not, unfortunately. It would be as nice it would be nice if he were second we string. We believe in him, and as much as we want it, we want to. We want the NFL to believe in him. It's going to take a while before that happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't even, by all reports, he didn't even get much of a fair shake in training camp for the Jags this season. I'm still kind of confused about why the Jags even picked him up. I mean, he's basically the exact opposite of the guy that they drafted, you know, in the first round uh, to play quarterback. With the, with the exception that they both have cannons for arms, but I mean, he's given away like eight inches, you know, he's, he's much smaller guy, you know, I didn't, you know, so I, I don't even know what motivated that, but I was hoping that he would come up when Rogers went down. I was hoping Nathan Rook's name would come up, but, I, okay. I thought, but mm-hmm. the jets are playing to win. Now they're not going to take a guy that's unproven in the NFL. Yeah, after after they get blown out next week with Wilson as their quarterback against Dallas, Jesus. All right, anyway, but we're no, talking. They'll about bring this. in 
if they if they bring in anybody, it's going to be a second stringer that we know can't do the job. Because <laughs> they're the Jets. All right. Um, okay, so let's uh, get back on the CFL track. Let's talk next week's games. We're starting off with a really interesting one, given what these teams have been doing lately. Saskatchewan at Ottawa. Um, I don't know. I, it's tempting not to go with the upset here. Uh, I'm sure that Saskatchewan will be favored, but but I I think Ottawa is going to pull this one off. I think Saskatchewan is the team that's going to back into the playoffs. It's a possibility, but Saskatchewan plays steadily enough that I don't know if BC is or BC. I don't know if Ottawa is going to coming off of the rough loss they had. I don't know if I don't know if they've got anything left in the tank this year. That might have been wow. Wow. Interesting take. Because I thought that, um, you know, if you look at the last like three, four minutes of that game, BC was winning on defense by sheer willpower. I mean, they were just like, okay, now we're going to shut them down. It was like they flipped the switch on them. And until that point, Ottawa had them baffled. Crom had them baffled. He, he, They did not know what to do, which, uh, you know, Again, I'd really love Ottawa to come out and blow the heck out of the Riders for multiple <laughs> reasons. I mean, I'm a Bomber fan, so that's one. But for two, Ottawa fans need something to believe in. Like last year, we were in the same boat. Yeah. They fired Paul Apolis. They got Bob Dyson. Mm-hmm. They started playing better. And they only had a few weeks to the end of the season, but they started playing better, winning some games that nobody expected them to win. And mm-hmm. they had some confidence coming into this season. And then same thing. A couple of a couple of come from behind magical wins early in the early in the season after yeah Dustin gets the reins and then just nothing. And Ottawa fans are beyond done with nothing. It's been five years since they've been relevant in this league yeah. and it's showing in the stand in the stands now and it's going yeah. to continue. Yeah. Nearly instant relevance and then you know some some gray cups and then since then it's 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 worse and worse over there in Ottawa. But I'm gonna pull out for the, for them in this game. I've just been doing terribly at Pickham and and betting. So I'm gonna go out on a limb here, take Ottawa on this one. Uh all right. Chasing that up on Friday night is BC at Edmonton. Now BC has been been giving their fans some scares lately, and Edmonton's hot. What do you think? Is this one a barn burner? I think it'll be fun. I think Trey Ford's going to score. Uh, yeah. We're going to have Edmonton's going to score points on BC for the first time this season. <laughs> uh, so they're not going to go. They're not going to go three shutouts on a team, which has never happened before. I don't believe. Yeah. I also think BC's got a lot to play for. Does yeah. that mean yeah. they show up? Good question. But we've also seen that they can, that they are capable of scoring really quickly when when the chips are down. So yeah. taking BC because they're looking at tying Winnipeg and then two weeks from then is going to be Winnipeg at BC pretty much for first place in the West at that point, I'm sure, because it'll be the tiebreaker. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about BC. That's why you think that sometimes they look like 
the best team in the league because they flip the switch. They do that. They're at the point now where they can turn it on and off like they did against Ottawa. They waited until almost literally the last minute to do so. But then as soon as the defense decided to play ball, I mean, I think Ottawa had minus a couple of yards in the last like half of the fourth quarter. I mean, literally, they BC has that second gear. Toronto hasn't had to do this yet this season. They haven't had to flip the switch. They just play in that top gear the whole game. And, you know, that's usually enough for most teams. But BC, wow, they got that whole other level to them. And um, the only thing I would worry about if I were BC is just taking this team for granted for just a little bit too long. Because Edmonton, I mean, again, I just read you off the scores. This team is capable of scoring points. Yep. They can score. The big the biggest matchup in this game is the BC defensive line versus Trey Ford. Mm. They're going to get penetration. They're going to get in Trey Ford's face. Do they are they able to contain him? They might not have to have five or six sacks in this one. But if they're able to keep him from breaking out, because Ford likes to throw the ball. He's not one He's not one read and then run like a few other quarterbacks have been these past few years. He'll make two, three, four reads and then go if he has to. But when he goes, he's dangerous because by then, the linebackers have cleared out into pass coverage or have gone past him on blitzes. So there's a lot less on the second level when he decides to go, then there would be for a quarterback that's run first. Mm-hmm. So does, is BC able to keep him in the pocket and make him make his throws? His throws are dangerous enough, but if he could, but if he gets his feet involved, they're impossible to stop. Well, he's, he's the most elusive of all these quarterbacks. He, he, yep. he gets out of jams more than anybody else in this league right now. Right. It's, he's elusive. And he's that. That's yeah. a really combination for a defense. Yeah, I mean, this past two weeks, I mean, he's just been, whew, he's dodging tackles. He's getting out of tackles. He's like making nothing out of some, uh, something out of nothing constantly. Wow. This BC is going to have their hands full because the secondary, which was awesome in the first half of the year, has not been particularly brilliant in the second half. Uh, they've been giving away some long gains in these games. So, yeah, absolutely. It. Because the pass rush was so dominant early on yeah. that nobody had time to throw the deep ball. Yeah. You watch that first Winnipeg game, yeah. and they're, they were in Zach's face before he could even. Play. Constantly. Yep. yep. The second yep. game, Winnipeg brought in a sixth offensive lineman to play tight end the whole game. Yep. Gave Zach enough time. And then Zach down a receiver because they had that sixth guy in. Tore him to shreds. Mm-hmm. Now this might this might be the game that in the past we would think that Chris Jones can scheme his way out of, but he hasn't shown too much of that this season. So I can't put my can't put my money there on this one. Um, all right, here we go. Montreal Alouettes at Calgary Stampeders. Montreal has to win this game. This is a this is a must win for both teams. It's not quite a playoff game for Montreal. But it might as well be because Hamilton's hot on their heels. They want, they have to, they have to have that home playoff in the semi. Mm-hmm. Cause if they go into Hamilton, there's no way they're winning both at Hamilton and at Toronto. Yeah. Well, no. 
I don't see Calgary, it. on the other hand, they have a pulse because they ha- I don't think they've lost the tiebreaker to Saskatchewan yet. I think there's one more for- between those two teams, if I'm not mistaken. But they have a pulse, but it goes away if they lose. Yeah, and just Calgary has done very little to speak of, you know, for a long time. Uh, they have not seemed relevant for quite some time now. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, really, that's... It used to be. Yeah, just this lack of, of weapons on the part of Calgary. And now that the Montreal has finally done this latest gauntlet of four four games against the top three teams, you know, maybe they'll get back to their winning ways because, again, they haven't lost to anybody this season except for those top three teams. So I kind of hope that that sticks the rest of the year because then they can finish the season 11 and 7. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, it sure would. I mean, geez, if they – I mean, it's wild because they've racked up all those wins against, you know, the Saskatchewans and the and the Ottawas of the world. And Fajardo wasn't nearly as good, I don't think, as he has been these past three, four weeks. So I would not be extremely – I would be incredibly pleased. I would not be extremely surprised if they went on this 5-0 and run here. So I'm going to take Montreal to win this game. I don't know what the point spread is, but I'll take Montreal minus the points. I think they're going to win handily. It's tough because it's in Calgary mm-hmm. for me to do that, but I'm going to anyway. Yeah. Because it, for years, that Calgary-Montreal matchup hasn't gone very Calgary's way, even when Calgary was on top and when Montreal was on the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's kind yeah. of the same with Winnipeg and Hamilton. Beyond yeah. the Grey Cups, if you take the Grey Cups out of the equation, that's not a matchup Winnipeg wins all that often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Montreal really had Bo Levy's number there in a few of those seasons. It was kind of, yeah. kind it's of just stunning. Certainty, yeah, certainty like Hamilton going, Hamilton going West is usually a struggle for them, but I'm by West, I mean, past the past Winnipeg and yeah. into Alberta. they don't usually win out West. Mm-hmm. There's just things that keep sticking with teams even beyond their person when their personnel changes. It's weird. Yeah, they. You 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 wonder if team culture exists, but I really believe that it does, and it manifests in in ways like this, uh, even in the medium term. So yeah, I'm taking Montreal, but I'm not happy about it. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, like if I'm a betting man, I'm avoiding that game like the like the plague. Hmm. Really? Okay. I'm not a bet. Okay. Um. I don't know. I am a betting man, so I'm going to be thinking about it. And that's on at 10 p.m. local time, so I'll even be able to watch it. So that that's more impetus to bet it. Um. Be able to watch it live, I should say. Um. Okay. Close out the week with Hamilton at Toronto. Well, here's Hamilton. Hamilton's been on the up here since week four, or so um, this is their chance to prove it, but. Even with this, Toronto playing at half speed, yeah, I don't. This see is going to tell you everything about what's going to happen for the rest of the season for Hamilton. Mm-hmm. They've got some embarrassing losses mm-hmm. to take revenge for. Mm-hmm. Toronto has everything clinched, so they have a little bit less to play for. Would have been nicer if it was a couple weeks into the into Toronto having clinched because, I mean, Toronto's still at full speed right now. It's not yeah. like they're going to. 
you know, take their foot off the gas immediately. And there's a good reason not to against one of your rivals for just reasons. Yeah. But I think Hamilton's got to show if they want to, if they want to have the rest of the season truly matter instead of just sneaking into the playoffs and going one and out, they've got to show something in this game. They don't even have to win it, but if they get embarrassed by a Toronto team with nothing to play for, they might as well just pack up and go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of felt like that. I I I almost feel like when I saw this game on the schedule and after Toronto had clinched, I felt like this could be the sort of game that Toronto almost treats as a preseason game in that I don't necessarily think they're going to bench all their starters uh, in the second half. I think they might bench some of them before the game even starts. But in that, I think Toronto is not going to show much in this game. I think they're going to have a real vanilla offense. I don't think that they need to do much on defense. I don't think Hamilton has a very high-flying offense anyway. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto plays a very boring very basic game so as not to give anything away um should these teams meet in the playoffs which i think they're going to at this point um but that would be my suspicion i would guess that toronto might just win because talent wins out but i don't think it's going to be very high scoring and i don't think it's going to be a blowout i think that toronto is going to be holding back a little bit toronto too if you if it would have been two weeks further into Mm-hmm. Them having flinched, maybe they take the foot off the gas completely, bench a bunch of people, don't show Hamilton anything, mm-hmm. and just take the loss and move on. But it's too soon for that. You think? Okay. All right. Yeah, Toronto has a couple of games against Ottawa, I think. So they can probably afford to, uh, they can the probably afford they- to mess around later and then sooner. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, all right. So we're basically in agreement, except on the Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Ottawa game. Uh, great. Okay. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. I don't have too much more except to say I'm coming back in fantasy, baby. I beat Cooper Trooper last week. Upset of the year. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Upset of the year. So I'm closing Lucky. in on number eight here. And I've got. I've got Ryan this week. I've got Ryan Ballantine this week, which of course is basically a buy. So I think I already won this week. Calgary played well, then you're screwed. <laughs> no, well, I faced him the at Mayor and Bagleton went off, and he had both of them. So yeah, <laughs> what can you do? when somebody puts up 150 points, you're not going to beat them very often. Well, see, I had him this week. I had him this week, and I know that I put in like well over a hundred points because I had, um, I had, uh, you know, VA in there as quarterback. So I'm pretty sure I won this week too. So I'm gunning for that number eight spot. Watch out, Jim. You're currently there. So watch out. I'm, I'm moving up to number eight this week, I think. Um, in any case. Okay. So we're going to close it out there. Um, anything you want to close the show with any famous last words as I like to say. Nope. It's just, we got six weeks till the playoffs or six or seven at this point. It's going to, the West is still teetering. We know who we basically know who our playoff teams are, unless Edmonton or Calgary get hot and yeah. 
Hamilton or one of the six and seven teams decides to go six and 12. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how these next six weeks play out. I don't, I really don't have my crystal ball is starting to fade. (laughs) Yeah. My powers of prognostication faded after week 13. Ever since Edmonton started winning, I've just been terrible at this again, all of a sudden. So, uh, okay. Actually, I do have one more question for you, Joe. Okay. So Winnipeg's not playing this week. All right. What for you is the must catch game this week? Probably BC. Yeah. Got to see what they're going to do against. Yep. Yep. As for me, I'll be definitely plugging into Montreal, Calgary, but that BC Edmonton, I think that could be a lot of fun. Definitely go the over on that, whatever it is, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of points in that game. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a good one. That'd be like BC Ottawa this week. Um, Probably. So, okay, great. We'll wrap it up there. For the Rouge, White, and Blue, my name's Oz Davis. For my co-host, Joe Pritchard, we're out of here this week. We'll talk to you next week, probably with a guest. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.